Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, and we're going to look at a few verses. We'll read the first seven verses, and I'll give you the text verse, and I believe I'll help you this morning if, uh, if you'll give me your attention. Uh, this morning, I'm going to preach from a verse of Scripture that is certainly appropriate in the day we live in, but uh, a verse of Scripture that I probably use... Uh, more than any other verse of Scripture in my counseling. Um, uh, as a pastor, one of the privileges I have is I preach every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I love to preach. Uh, but I live the pastor. And uh, from the time I get out of the pulpit until the next time I get into the pulpit, I'll, uh, in any given week, it's probably a uh, minimum of a couple of dozen conversations, appointments, text. Uh, I'll answer phone calls, uh, shepherding uh, God's people, and I, I enjoy that. I say all that to say, but if I had to count, and you, there's certain scripture I use a lot, the text this morning is probably the verse of scripture that I use more than any other verse in my counseling. And so if that be the case, I believe it would be a help to all of us uh, to be reminded of what the scripture says this morning. And I trust that it will be a help to you. Verse number 1 of 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our, our Lord. <coughs> I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remem remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And then verse 7 is our text verse this morning. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. This morning I want to look at that verse in verse number 7. And certainly we live in a world today that is motivated by fear. Uh, but I believe Christians are many times motivated by fear. I believe many times Christians are paralyzed by fear. And this morning, I want to speak on this subject, and it, it will help you uh, if you'll allow it. But I've entitled this message, Dealing with a Spirit of Fear. Dealing with a Spirit of Fear. Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning as we look into your word. I pray that the Spirit of God uh, would be our teacher today. May the Spirit of God enable us to uh, learn more about you, but strengthen our uh, Christian life so that we can better serve you. Uh, we ask if there's one here unsaved, may they get that settled today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number 7, we see our text that uh, Paul, of course, is writing to Timothy, and he speaks to him about a spirit of fear. He says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And we take that passage of Scripture, we take that part of that verse, and we see the challenge, the reminder from Paul to Timothy that God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And we can take that and on the surface we understand that there is a spirit of fear because Paul takes the time 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to speak to Timothy about it. Now, it's important for us to understand what the Bible does not say. The Bible does not say we should never fear. Fear is a natural response that we have. And this is important for you and I to take note of because uh, there are many times that Christians, uh, they are very hard on themselves because they do have fears. Uh, you can, let me use grief as a illustration this morning. Sometimes those who are grieving and have grieved for a long period of time, they will allow the, themselves to uh, put too much pressure on themselves and, and they'll beat themselves up because they have put this unwritten rule that they should be beyond that grief. That's not a reality. The same is true of fear. The Bible does not say we should never fear because fear is a natural response that we have. Fear keeps us out of dangerous situations. For example, we have some natural responses of fear. Uh, many and I would say most of us, if not all of us, if we were honest, uh, there are sicknesses and disease that we're afraid of. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word cancer, that, that's, that's, that's a fearful word. Uh, I have never been in a doctor's office and had that word mentioned when it pertains to me. But I know when I get a phone call from a church member and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? They're testing to see if I have this kind of cancer there's a fear in my heart, and it's not even my cancer. Fear is a natural response. We use that, and for some, it's, you, could, you could apply that to financial situations. There is a fear of being able to, not being able to provide for my family. There are certain fears that we have. The Bible does not say that we should not fear. We can liken this to a small child who is afraid of the dark. Uh, we might get frustrated by saying there's nothing to be afraid of, but to that child, it is a natural response. It is something that they respond with. Fear is a natural response for us. However, as a Christian, we should not have a spirit of fear. It's important this morning that we understand the difference. Uh, there is fear, which is a natural response. We all have it. I don't care how tough of a guy you are. I don't care how much bravado you have today. There are some things that you're afraid of. There are some things that, that cause you to stop in your tracks. There are some things that get your attention. You're afraid of the future. You're afraid of what might happen. You're afraid of the consequences of some situation. We all have fears. God does not tell us, God's word does not tell us, we should not have any fears. We should never be afraid. But the warning is not to live in a spirit of fear. <coughs> Excuse me. Having fear is not a sin. I think Christians need to hear that. Having fear is not a sin. Living in the spirit of fear, I believe, is. I will continue to lay out some truths with this and then we'll get into our outline. But having being afraid is not a sin. But living in the spirit of fear. I believe is. 
The spirit of fear limits us. The spirit of fear hinders us in our Christian life. I'm afraid to, to, to step out. I'm afraid to do certain things. The spirit of fear hinders us in our Christian life. The spirit of fear robs us of victories and joy. Let me use a personal illustration, if I can, this morning. As, as most of you, if all of you are aware of, uh, my wife and I, we lost our second child, Amanda, at eight and a half months old. If, you, if, you, if you've never lost a child, and it certainly changes your mindset, it brings new fears that you never had. You understand that your worst case scenario is a very real thing. Uh, that you understand that tragedy can come to your home. And then when God gave us other children, there were fears that we naturally had because we knew what it was like to stand by a little grave. But we could not live in that fear. Otherwise, it would rob us of joys and victories. The spirit of fear, and there are many Christians today, you're afraid of what might happen. You're afraid. You live in fear, and what you're doing is you're being robbed of victories and joys that you could have. The spirit of fear should not make our decisions. I didn't say the Bible said we should never be afraid. But the Bible does say, and Paul does warn Timothy about the spirit of fear. And I'm afraid that many Christians allow the spirit of fear to make their decisions for them. This morning, the spirit of fear, there are some things, there are some battles, there are some burdens, if you will, that God has designed for you as an individual. I use the illustration of us losing our child. That was, that, was, that was designed. God allowed that for my wife and I. God allowed that for our family. God may not have that for you. God has certain burdens and certain things that he has designed for us as an individual because he knows what we need in our life. He knows, he knows what he's going to do with that in our life so that we can bring honor and glorify him. Some of you have burdens and you have heartaches and you ask, why, doesn't God, why didn't God allow somebody else to have this? Because God gave that to you so that you have a personal, individual way to glorify Him. We don't understand all of the, all of the situation other than that. I say that to say this, fear is something that we all have to deal with. The spirit of fear is a danger for all of us. The spirit of fear is something that can hinder the walk of any Christian. From the pulpit to the back pew, the spirit of fear, if it goes unchecked, the spirit of fear, if it is not dealt with, can cripple, can paralyze, can hinder your Christian life. There are Christians who sit on the pews today in the service this morning. There's some things that you could be doing for God and you're not. It's not because you don't have a heart to do it. It's not because you're lazy. It's not because you're rebellious. It's because you live in the spirit of fear. Satan will use that just as he will the, the beer bottle if it keeps you from serving God. 
But you live in a spirit of fear, so therefore you will not get out of your little comfort zone of self-preservation. Let me help us this morning when speaking and dealing with the spirit of fear. Let me make statement number one. The spirit of fear comes from a lack of faith. Understand this. It's natural for us to be afraid. We have emotions that God gave us. Uh, that's why sometimes a tear escapes from our, uh, from our eye is because God gave us emotions. I wish I wouldn't cry. Well, you would be emotionless. You would have issues on the other end of the spectrum. The point I'm making is fear is an emotion that we have. Fear is a reaction. But the spirit of fear, living in a state of fear, allowing fear to dictate our circumstances and fear to dictate our decisions as a Christian comes from a lack of faith. That's why I can make the statement, being, having fear is not a sin, but living in the spirit of fear is. Because we are supposed to have more faith in God Faith that rises above because our God is greater than whatever it is that we're afraid of. Again, I'll use, <laughs> I'll use some personal illustrations this morning. Uh, God called me to preach when I was six years of age. I can remember I can place myself in the little building. We were on vacation. We went to church on Wednesday night, which is still a good practice. And, and, and there was a guest preacher. The pastor didn't even preach. There was a guest preacher there. I don't, I don't even think I paid attention during the church service. I was six years of age. But during the invitation, I'll never forget it. I felt a clear, distinct call of God on my life to preach the gospel. I don't understand what it meant. I remember pulling over. I was standing. I, I hate to confess this. I was standing on the pew, and I pulled on my mom, and I said, God wants me to preach. Well, that doesn't sound very convincing. Well, you'll have to take that up with God. But I remember that call. Now, when I got older, when I was in junior high school, when I was in high school, I hated public speaking. Uh, is Mrs. Triplett here today? Oh, it's her Sunday to be in church, so she's here. Good, good timing, good timing. She was my public speaking teacher. I hated oral book reports. I mean, I read the book, and what, what, now you, got, you want me to get up and talk about it? That's got to violate some copyright rules or something. I don't, I don't know. And oral poems were the worst because that was a combination of two evils, poetry and then public speaking. I did not like being up in front of people. It terrified me. I learned this, and I shouldn't confess this because some of you will try this in school. My, I won't tell you now who it is. You can draw conclusions, but my public speaking teacher. She would say, now if you get stuck, just move on, and nobody else will know. That was a big deal with her. 
And so I strategized. I don't want to be up in front of people any longer than I have to be. So I'll memorize the first stanza, act like I can't remember the second and third, shrug my shoulders, say the fourth, and I'll at least have moved on like nobody else knew about it. And she would deduct the amount I missed, and believe me, she did. But the torture would be over. So, Pastor, why are you sharing that? Because there came a point in my life when my call met my greatest fear head to head. Now, some of you, 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 you sit for the hours and hours that I get up here and talk now and say, how in God's name was he ever afraid to get up and talk in front of people? Because there was a time when I had to make a decision that I could have a fear, but I would not live in the spirit of fear. It was God who called me to do something. This book says it was God who would have to enable me to do it anyway. And so therefore, I decided that I would act by faith on what I believe God had called me to do, and I would not live in a spirit of fear. Friend, this morning, the spirit of fear is a lack of faith. Focus, you focus on circumstances and not God. Without faith, the Bible tells us, it is impossible to please God. A spirit of fear is not pleasing to God. Sometimes Christians get in their life and say, well, I just... I'm just not comfortable in that area. (coughs) What we're saying is, I don't have the faith to step out of my comfort zone. So therefore, you do not please God by living in a spirit of fear. It is not pleasing to God because it does, you do not have to do it by faith. Friend, if you've got to get out of your comfort zone, if you've got to overcome a fear to serve God, then you are actually showing great faith in your God. You are pleasing to God. I know some that sing in our, in our music programs. They are afraid to do that, but yet they, get it. they don't let the spirit of fear keep them from using an ability that God has given them. I wonder how many Christians sit on the church pews and they don't teach a Sunday school class because they have a fear of teaching that Sunday school class. Well, how about faith in your God? How about faith to step out and do what it is that God wants you to do? I believe there are Christians, you have a burden in your heart. You have a desire. When the, when the pastor gets up and preaches on being a soul winner and being a witness, there's something that burns inside of you and you don't want anybody to go to hell, especially the people that are around you, your co-workers, your friends, but you are afraid to speak to people about their salvation. You are afraid, and you say, well, that's just not my personality. It's just not what God has made me to do. No, you have a chance to please God by putting faith in the Word of God, faith in the command of God, and God gets no glory, God gets no honor when we live in a spirit of fear. I believe there are sincere Sincere Christians as couples and as young men, as young ladies, you really have a desire to serve God. And you remember when you promised God that you were going to do something with your life, but you've allowed fear to keep you from doing it. Fear to keep you from acting the way you know you should act. The spirit of fear comes from a lack of faith. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I wonder, I wonder if we've got a God so big that when he put fear in man as a natural response, and his word has been settled in heaven forever, I wonder if in the mind of God he could draw the connection between without faith it is impossible to please God, and it would take faith to overcome a spirit of fear. So this morning, let me encourage you before I move on, if you're afraid of circumstances in your life and you have a fear of stepping out for God, you have a fear of serving God in some capacity, God has done you a favor. You say, Pastor, you don't understand what it's like to live with this fear. I may not understand what it's like to live with your fear, but I know very much what it's like to live with my fear. And for me to have to say, God, I'm going to depend on you by faith, and I'm not going to live in a spirit of fear. And friend, this morning, if you are not willing to overcome the spirit of fear in your own life, however it applies to you, it's because of a lack of faith. And you should not be content with that. Too many Christians are wearing their lack of faith as a, bag of on, a badge of honor. Well, I, just, I just don't think I have enough. No, you ought to be, we ought to be ashamed that we have a God as big as our God and we allow the spirit of fear to control us. Statement number one, the spirit of fear comes from a lack of faith. Statement number two, the spirit of fear is exploited by the enemy. We have an adversary, the devil. You know who likes to see fear in a Christian? It's Satan himself. I believe, personally, I believe the two things that hinder Christians more than any other thing is guilt and fear. Guilt is for another message, but fear is exploited by the enemy. It is natural for us as flesh to have fears. But Paul warns Timothy about the spirit of fear. Of, of fear. 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, it's very interesting. He says he's a roaring lion. He's loud. But my Bible also tells me, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil is looking for scared Christians. The devil is looking for the first sign of when he roars, then a Christian is afraid, a Christian is paralyzed in fear, and that is when the devil exploits our spirit of fear is when we are not willing to live by faith. There's, there are times when the devil is, is getting the upper hand and the advantage, and it's simply because a Christian lives in the spirit of fear. If you as a Christian, I hope you're getting this this morning. This, is, this will help you in so many ways. A Christian that lives in a spirit of fear is not a praying Christian. A Christian that lives in a spirit of fear is not a serving Christian, not as they could serve. 
A Christian living in the spirit of fear is not a victorious Christian. That's why as a church, when the devil roars out there, it should not change anything that goes on in here. He has paralyzed many churches because he's a loud devil. And we're afraid of what might happen if we stand where we're supposed to stand and we do what we're supposed to do. We cannot live in the spirit of fear. And many Christians... You give, you give, <coughs> you allow the enemy to exploit your fear and get victories that he should not have. We need to realize this morning how bad it is for us to live in the spirit of fear. There are Sunday school classes that are not taught because Christians live in a spirit of fear. Now tell me, who gets the advantage in that? There are Christians who do not witness. It's because, not because you have a fear. There's a, many of us who have a fear of speaking to anybody about salvation, speaking to a complete stranger about salvation. The Bible says nothing about fear being an excuse. We allow the spirit of fear to keep us from spreading the gospel. Who gets the upper hand in that? The adversary does. What about preachers are too afraid to preach what ought to be preached? Uh, who gets the upper hand? There, there's preachers today, they compromise and don't preach the word of God just because they've sold out. I'm not talking about them. God will deal with them. Oh, pastor, don't you be afraid to say it. Well, until I say it, and then it's like, okay, Christian, don't you be afraid to live it. The spirit, I'm trying to help us this morning. The spirit of fear is exploited by the enemy. Parent, I, I know Johnny and Susie are now 14 and they've got the world's problems solved. And they're pushing back on mom and dad's authority a little bit. Don't be afraid to be the parent. Don't be afraid. Stand on the word of God. The spirit of fear is exploited by the enemy. Statement number three this morning. Now I've identified what I believe is a problem for Christians in general. I've identified what I believe is a hindrance to many Christians this morning. Could you imagine what would happen in our churches if every member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church decided they were no longer going to let fear Keep them from being the witness. No longer was going to let fear dictate whether or not they obeyed the scriptural command to tithe and to give offerings and to support missions, but let faith determine that. Could you imagine what would happen if every Christian lived in victory by saying, I'm not, I have fears, but I'm not going to live in the spirit of fear? Could you imagine what could be done for the cause of Christ? I've identified what I believe is a real problem in the life of Christians. Let me give you a solution. So this is statement number three. The spirit of fear is overcome by the word of God. That's why when you're afraid and you're in that spirit of fear, the worst thing, the worst thing, the worst thing, 
Let me say it a little bit differently. It doesn't get any worse than staying away from the house of God. Because you and I need the word of God. I mean, motivational speakers are great, but they're not going to help you get over your fear. What does? The Word of God does. Now, we've already established that the spirit of fear comes from a lack of faith. So Romans 10, 17 is very important to us as a Christian because we're reminded, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if I'm going to overcome the spirit of fear, now bear in mind, let's be, let's be very honest with one another this morning. We all have fears. Don't look at another Christian and say, well, they're just not afraid of anything. No, maybe they've just decided, maybe they don't have the same fear you have. Or maybe they've decided that they're not going to live in the spirit of fear. <clears throat> but what are we going to do about the spirit of fear? Uh, we have to have faith that is greater than our fear. And Romans 10, 17, as I've already reminded us, reminded us of, says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If I want my faith to increase, I need more Bible. You, 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 can, you can say it however you want to say it. If you never crack open your Bible, your faith is not very strong. You know why Christians fall away from God? There's, we have to have that shield of faith. Well, I'm just discouraged. Well, do you confess all your sins? Discouragement many times comes from a, it comes from a lack of faith, but it's brought on many times by fear. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those with no Bible knowledge live in a spirit of fear. I mean, I mean, look at our world we live in today. I mean, you'd think there's no God in control. Man, can you imagine if there was a real, a real can you imagine what's going to happen when the rapture takes place? No Bible dependence, no dependence on the Word of God, and you live in a state with a spirit of fear. Now, let me help you. We have fears. No matter who you, who's in this building, you have fears. So how do we overcome those fears? You have to depend on the Word of God. Lord willing, tonight I'm going to preach from the text, I believe God. Friend, life gets a whole lot simpler. When you just decide, in spite of your fears, you're going to depend on the Word of God. You're going to depend. Too many Christians make their decisions on how strong they're going to stand on the Word of God, depending on how the circumstances look around them, depending on if they're going to be able to figure it out or not. Our faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's important for you to be in a church that preaches the Bible and doesn't entertain you. Because entertainment, getting in the spirit, seducing spirit, by the way, 
is not going to build your faith. That's why at the Emmanuel Baptist Church, while we have Sunday school in here, their children are being taught the same Sunday school lesson. Those in children's church right now, they're getting a Bible message preached to them. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We've got a lot of Christians who have weak faith because they have no Bible. We have a lot of Christians who have weak faith because they don't depend on the Word of God. And they live in a spirit of fear. Friend, I'm not condemning you. I'd, I'd have to condemn myself for being afraid and having fears. We all have them. And if you say, well, I don't have any today, give, give it about a 24-hour cycle, a couple of weeks. You'll have a fear. Life will bring you something. But what are you going to do? Are you going to live in a spirit of fear? And the Christian is not to live in the spirit of fear. The Christian is to live a victorious, joyous life. And the only way to do that is to live a life of faith. And our faith is directly tied to our dependence on the Word of God. The Spirit, this morning, if you are living in a spirit of fear, the only way for that to be overcome is for you to have a greater dependence on God's Word. Some of you are facing circumstances right now, and you don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand it, but you've got to depend that all things work together for good to them that love God. I don't, I, it doesn't seem that way, but you have to have faith in God's Word because there are times in life when it doesn't make sense, when, when it even says the opposite of what, it, what you think it ought to mean. But you're, the spirit of fear is overcome by the word of God. I, going back to the illustration I used with, a, with a, uh, my fear of public speaking, which is still hard for many of you to even fathom. But I had to come to the point when I had to have faith in the word of God, not dependence or confidence in myself. It's faith. What I did is I wrote down verses that dealt with my call and how it was dependent on God and how God would do the work. Hey, Christian, you know that applies with your soul winning. That can apply with your parenting. That can apply with your serving. Or maybe there's something, there's a fear because of some certain circumstances way in your past or circumstances in your life and you have a hard time. And, and the word of <coughs> anxiety today, which is a real thing, but I believe it's an overused thing because a lot of times we are just living in a spirit of fear. How do we overcome that? The word of God. Fourth statement, I'm through. Notice our text again. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. We see right there, and this is usually the context, what I'm fixing to say is how I use this whenever I'm in a counseling session, how I use it when I'm answering a question in a text, returning a phone call. That spirit of fear that you have did not come from God. Because the scripture tells us, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is not one of the gifts that God gives the Christian. It does not come from God. 
I think we've established that in the fact that the first statement was a spirit of fear comes from a lack of faith in God, and God is not going to give us anything that would cause a lack of faith. Because God has told us that without faith, we can't even please Him. So the spirit of fear does not come from God. Well, I'm just afraid of these circumstances. If God would change the circumstances, then I wouldn't be afraid. Don't you blame your spirit of fear, your lack of faith on God. God may not change the circumstances, and your circumstances may bring fear, but the spirit of fear that a Christian lives in does not come from God. Too many Christians are blaming God for that spirit of fear, and in essence they're saying, God, the reason why I don't teach a Sunday school class is because of you. The reason why I'm not a witness is because of you. The reason why I don't have more faith is because of you. No, friend, the spirit of fear does not come from God. This is my fourth statement this morning. We find it in our text verse. The spirit of fear is to be replaced by the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. Very quickly, because we're running out of time, the spirit of fear that many Christians live with does not come from God. A greater faith would take care of that, but God does tell us what we are to live with. We're to have a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. By reading that verse, <coughs> and even in its sentence structure, you find you have two conflicting ways of living. You have a way of living in a spirit of fear, or you can live with a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a spirit of a sound mind. I'll speak to those more specifically in just a moment, but there's a lot of Christians who are driving themselves crazy because they won't get out of their spirit of fear, and they won't give it to God. Now, I know I'm treading in some uncharted territory, and I know I'm going against some philosophies of this day, but I think we'd be okay with sticking with the Word of God. You have living in the spirit of fear or living in a way that honors and pleases God, living with the spirit that God does give us. Let me give it to you very quickly. The spirit of power. That's spiritual power. Holy Spirit power. You have a spirit of the flesh, which is fear, is to be replaced with the spirit of the spirit, which is power. If you live as a Christian in the spirit of fear, you're living in the flesh. You're living a carnal life. Say, so wait a minute, Pastor. I don't do this, I don't go here, I don't wear this, I don't say this. But friend, according to my Bible, it is a carnal way of living to live in a spirit of fear, live in a spirit of weak or no faith. It takes a spiritual power to live by faith by this book to say, 
I'm not going to worry about my fears. I'm not going to let them control my Christianity. I'm not going to let them control how I please God. But I have to have the Holy Spirit's power in order to overcome my physical limitations. There's a reason why the phrase paralyzed by fear is used. Because fear can paralyze us. Fear can not only stop us from progressing, it can push us back. I'm not minimizing fears today. I'm not saying they don't exist. They do. We all have them. But it takes a spiritual power to overcome the limitations that our flesh places on us. You cannot live a spirit-filled life absence of the Word of God. I believe a lot of fears could be overcome if Christians would go to the Bible before they went anywhere else. The spirit of power, spirit of fear is a carnal way to live. It talks about the spirit of love. The love of Christ, the spirit of love, brings boldness. God has helped me in so many ways with my fears. God will help, help many of you with your fears. Somewhere down the line, yes, we have to live by faith, but somewhere down the line, we've got to love our God so much that my fear takes a back seat. You think about it, it's convicting to me to read in Hebrews 11 of those unnamed martyrs. It's convicting to, to, to me to read of church history and how our forefathers were murdered. Their, the blood was shed. You can't read the book of Revelation without drawing your attention to the blood of those martyrs demanding justice. What would make a Christian be burned, be willing to be burned at the stake. All they have to do is recant the name of Jesus. What would cause a Christian to lay their head on a chopping block? All they had to do was baptize their infant Would fear not paralyze them? Not if you're living in the spirit of love. And I love him more than I'm afraid of what I'm facing. And I love him more than I'm afraid of this old world. And I love him. See, that is a spiritual attribute. That is a spiritual life. To love him. That's where boldness comes from. Hey, I love God so much, I've got to tell other people about him. The spirit of love and the spirit <coughs> of a sound mind. Now, you can have peace of mind. There's something to laying your head on your pillow at night and going to sleep.
I confess to you that I sleep pretty well. Not usually on Saturday night because I got a few things in my mind on Sunday morning. But there's something about getting to a place in your life when you can leave some things, the cares of this world, because you've got peace in your mind. Now, there are times when circumstances come in our life we don't have peace. What do we have to do? We've got to get back in the Word of God. Get rid of the spirit of fear. The fears are there. But I'm not going to live in a spirit of fear because I have, peace of a sound, I, have, I have a spirit of a sound mind. Everything's going to be okay. Well, Pastor, how? I don't know. But it's going to be okay. Well, how can you say that? Don't you know? Well, yeah, and now I really know because you just reminded me of it. But I can say that because I have a God in heaven. who This Bible tells me his thoughts are above my thoughts. His ways are above my ways. I have a God and I have a Bible that tells me that a sparrow does not fall without him knowing how much more is he aware of what we're facing. How much more is he aware of our circumstances and yet we still have in God's word that spirit of fear did not come from God and the warning from Paul to Timothy about the spirit of fear friend this morning this book never tells us to not be afraid it just tells us not to live in a spirit of fear because that doesn't come from God spirit of fear is to be replaced by other things so this morning and I'm out of time we have a choice to let our fears control us or our faith control us. One is a carnal, fleshly way of living. The other is a spiritual, spirit-led way of living. This morning, Christian, please listen to me. This will help you. If the devil can get you with the enticements of this world, he will. Young people, he'll entice you. He'll, 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 he'll tell you that everything is wonderful and you're going to have fun and how oppressive the Bible is and how oppressive God is. And he'll entice you only for you to find out what everybody else who's believed that lie has found out. First of all, the devil's a liar. And Christian, no matter who you are, what, 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 what position you hold as a, as a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, if the devil can get you in the enticement of this world, he will. But if he can help you live in a spirit of fear and you not be a witness, you not give by faith, you not serve God, he'll take that too. Because while you may still sit on in a, inside of a church service, you're not telling anybody about the Lord. You're not fulfilling the purpose God's put you here, so therefore you're not glorifying God. You're not advancing the cause of Christ. He'll take that too. We've already established that living in a spirit of fear is a faithless life. A faithless, this is how you, tell, you can tell spiritual people 
I know we like to make it about other things, but this is real Christianity. Am I going to fulfill the purpose God has placed me here for? Am I going to touch all the lives that I could touch? Am I going to influence eternity? Am I going to be able to get a hold of my God for the sake of others in spite of my fears? There's many, many this morning that you've gotten older. That brings new fears. God does not intend for you to live in the spirit of fear. Christian, this morning, give your fears to him. Determine to overcome your fear. Let me just in closing say this. If there's someone here who's, you've never been saved, there is a fear you should have. And that's the fear of your eternity. That's the fear of you leaving this life, never getting settled. Your eternal soul. But you can call on the name of Jesus today. Father, I pray.